brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This show does not provide medical advice. If you're having a medical emergency, please call 911. Anything you hear here should be discussed with your primary health care provider. Hello and welcome to Everyone Dies, the radio show produced by Passionate World Talk Radio, whose goal it is to educate, enlighten, and entertain. I'm Marianne Matzo, and for the next 30 minutes, I am your host. Today, I have the pleasure of uh, talking with Stephen Lundke. Uh, you've probably heard some of his other interviews with me before. I tend to, um, I'm finding, find people that I really like, and I just keep interviewing them until they tell me to go away. And Stephen has not yet <laughs> told me to go away. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. Uh, thank you for that. Um, so if you remember, Stephen um, was diagnosed with IPF and had a um, double lung transplant five years ago. And so we've been interviewing him, learning about, um, well, first about IPF and then about how to get a lung transplant and then about getting the lung transplant, and then about um, how to recover from lung transplant. But today, we're going to um, leave his lungs alone for a little while and talk about fatigue. So welcome, Stephen. Well, it's so good to be here today. I appreciate that. So, you know, fatigue is, I jokingly said to Stephen, you must know something about fatigue, because there's really... All of the symptoms that can come with chronic illness, fatigue is a pretty universal one. And it can be associated with, you know, having surgery for any reason, it can be associated with having kids, it can be associated with depression, it can be associated with low blood counts, it can be associated with anything. So um, I'd ask Stephen if he had figured out any ways to help manage his fatigue, and he said that he had. So tell, first off, tell us about fatigue from your point of view, and then just talk to us a little while about how you've learned to manage it. And I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. I'll be back in like 30 minutes. Is that okay? What's that? I said I'm going to go get a cup of coffee, and I'll be back in about 30 minutes. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Would you grab I'm one kidding. for me also? <laughs> sure. Because I just woke up from a nap. That's part of my fatigue. Uh, so I guess if, you know, the way I look at it is prior to becoming ill, I was a go-getter all my life. I worked, I worked, I worked, I worked. If I needed to work uh, 10 hours a day or seven days a week, I was always there. And then when I got home, I always found something to work on. I'd be painting something or building something or or going with the family somewhere. Um, And I just accepted that as my way of life because that's the way I'd always been. Mm -hmm. And what, when I got sick, started feeling sick, um, just the easiest thing, like a vacuuming a living room or something like that, I would think, oh, my, I, gotta, I wonder what's going on. I need to uh, sit down. Mm. And uh, that just, that got to be, like, washing the dishes would be, um, I would let the dishes soak while I took a nap. And then I would wake up and rinse them off and put them in the dishwasher and go sit down for a while. And, uh, I mean, that drains, that drained me, just doing wow. uh, regular routine little things like that. Making a bed is just completely out of the question. Something about lifting your arms out in front of you is just way too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though... Uh, for five years before my transplant, and I was ill, I, um, I stopped doing uh, the flooring, which I had done all my life, and went and delivered pizzas. And um, when I first started noticing there, when I had to um, go upstairs to deliver to an apartment house, it was the strangest thing. I didn't put it together until it happened quite a few times, but when I'd get halfway up a big staircase, I'd have to pee. Mm -hmm. And so then I noticed that the only time I got that feeling when I was going up staircases, because it happened to be like 15 times. And um, so... I thought, well, this is weird. This is all before I was uh, had a, um, gone to the doctor at all. And uh, so then I started noticing that I was taking naps in the middle of the day, which I had never done. And the feeling isn't like, oh, I'm tired. I should have slept longer last night or I should have went to bed earlier. It isn't that kind of feeling. It's a kind of feeling like you could fall asleep standing up. Mm-hmm. And it was scary sometimes towards the end before I was diagnosed. I was scaring myself to even drive. Oh, yes. That can be very scary. Because I would catch my... oxygen up, up to the brain and you can just literally just go right to sleep. Right. I mean, just going across town, I'm not talking about a, a long extended trip, you know, where, you know, you're getting dazzled by the road or something. Just driving across town, I would be so tired, I'd have to roll the window down, stick my head out the window. And when I got to where I'm going, I would think, my God, how did I get here? 
I remember e- I remember even calling my daughter one night and uh, say, I'm going to come home. I'm across town, but if I'm not there in about 30 minutes, would you, you know, call me or something? Because I don't remember how I got here, and it's pretty scary. Wow. And, and um, so, I mean, the lack of oxygen does a lot of, a lot of damage that you don't even realize at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had noticed also that I would always get some kind of a, a rash like around on my face, like around my chin. Mm-hmm. What was that? And I, and I went to the doctor. They didn't find anything wrong. I asked, you know, pharmacists. Uh, and every time I'd make a doctor's appointment, of course, that day wouldn't happen. Huh. And uh, after a few months of that happening once a month, it started happening like once a week. And then it became like it became a permanent thing. And uh, by that time, I was diagnosed. I was on oxygen. And uh, after I was on the high doses of oxygen, that rash went away. And uh, so, I don't know, it has something to do with the lack of oxygen, just like when my fingernails became clubbed and purple and my lips were blue. That's the the same thing, I think. It just happened to on my uh, be on my face also. That's and, really uh, interesting. I I worked hard all my life. I was do you know I, I was always doing with, working with my hands, lifting, getting up and down, pounding, and um, uh, I ached my hands, my wrists, my elbows, my shoulders, my neck, my back, every joint just ached all the time. And uh, my hands especially, I mean, they just were, uh, I I went to the doctors about that and they said, well, you don't have arthritis. You're just wore out from uh, working hard all your life. You know, your joints are just like a tool. You keep working it and working it and working it, then eventually they're going to wear down. And, uh, so I was but just you like were y- but you were young. It's not like you you had. I mean, you were only what in your fifties during this. Yeah, right? I was in my fifties. Yes, yes. And uh, so I just took aspirin and and you know sucked it up. And um, when I started on the oxygen, I noticed that got much better. Mm-hmm. And after right. Well, I had we're, my... we we need to have. I mean, because well, associated with your disease, you you had low oxygen levels. But I guess I would guess that with your new lungs, your oxygen levels are pretty normal. Oh, my my oxygen levels, ever since the very first day after the transplant that I was awake, until today, have been phenomenal. It's always ninety eight, ninety nine percent. And, uh, but, like you're, I, but you're still, but you're still fatigued. So what are you yes, doing now yeah. to manage that fatigue? Well, my doctor told me, he said, the best thing you can do is just sleep when you want to sleep, get up when you want to get up, 
He says, if you're a night owl, stay up, sleep during the day, whatever you have to do, whatever you feel like doing. Um, And so what I have uh, done myself is I will sleep for two or three hours about three times in a 24-hour period. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be the best thing that suits me. If I try to sleep seven or eight hours at once and then stay up the rest of the day, that is very, very difficult for me to do um, because I get fatigued if I do any kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I was even to, uh, you know, sweep the floor, do the laundry, do the dishes, um, I would, even if I slept eight hours, I would still have to lay down and take a nap after doing that. Mm-hmm. So and the so, fatigue seems chronic to me. Well, and well, because you know, for those those who haven't listened to our other shows, the the um, the disease is chronic. The the lung transplant doesn't cure the disease or a transplant doesn't necessarily cure a disease or cancer treatment doesn't cure the disease. It can stop it. It can slow it. It can put it into remission. And you can get back a lot of your function, but I don't know that people get back 100%. Do you have any thoughts about that? I don't. In my case, uh, I've had days, I've had even sometimes a couple weeks at a time where I feel like, yes, okay, finally, uh, I'm back 100%, but it never lasts. Mm. Um, and then as time goes on here now for the last, I'm going to say two years, uh, it's been slowing down more and more and more. I'm more fatigued more often uh, than I was a year ago. And, and a year ago, I was more than I was two years ago. Um, it just seems to be like it's, uh, you know, hopefully I hit a, uh, a level here pretty soon where it doesn't continue. But, uh, yeah, I do notice greatly the fatigue uh, taking a trend and uh, like as you said, that this is not a cure. Um, the first few months of my transplant were fantastic, and uh, then um, I did some pulmonary testing for a regular scheduled appointment, and it was quite low uh, compared to what it had been. So they did a bronchoscopy and uh, found out that I have a, not in the lungs, but there's a flap where the lungs are connected, you know, to your diaphragm um, that opens and shuts when you breathe, Mm -hmm. like a valve. And I can breathe in as deep as I want, just like a young kid. My My lungs are wonderful. But that flap, doesn't stay open when I breathe out. Hmm. So uh, I can't breathe out everything I bring in. Mm-hmm. 
And so that causes me some difficulties. And they said the only way they can fix that would be to put a stent in there. Mm-hmm. But they said in their experience, putting a stent in there doesn't always last. Sometimes it falls out. Mm-hmm. And then you have more trouble than just having the flap knot uh, opening. So they went ahead while it was under, and they, uh, I think they blew it up like three sizes with a balloon uh, to open it up, and oh, my gosh, I thought it was king. <laughs> I said, so give me that breath test now, man. <laughs> I'll blow the bottom out of that thing, you know. And uh, But it only lasted about six weeks. So oh. that was one time when for about six weeks I was like, okay, this, this is what it's like to have a transplant. This is what it should feel like. And But then it's gotten gone downhill uh, again. And uh, so now it's time to... Uh, when I go back to the doctor in February to see if there's anything that they can do or if this is going to be my new normal because um, I had that done right after transplant, so about four years ago. And um, now it's pretty bad. And I, I don't know if that's one of the reasons why I'm getting so fatigued, but anyway, it's all related to the transplant. Right. Right, which if you know, there's the the irony, right? Without the transplant, you would have died. With the transplant, you know, it's like you're you're hoping for perfection, but it's not perfection. Oh no, no, it's not. Uh, of course, I mean, it's wonderful to be alive. I've gotten five years so far of extra life, and mm-hmm. um, but. I hear people, I belong to a couple different groups, uh, transplant, lung transplant groups, and uh, a couple of them online, and I'm, people are always asking questions. When does this stop? You know, mm-hmm. is this normal? How come this hurts? And I just want to tell them, but I don't want to discourage them, that you know what? This is not a cure. You're going to have side effects. There is a lot of stuff that you just have to deal with. You have to accept that you're, st- you're alive and you're breathing. Right. And, uh, and I think so, also part of the myth that people have is that, you know, they're going to go, they're going to be feeling like they felt before they got sick, not taking into consideration that five, six, or ten years have gone by. And in that period, even without the disease, you would be aging, and things would be changing anyway. You know, I, yeah. I find that often with my patients. It's like they don't take into account the normal aging process that has occurred along with the progression of their disease. That is an excellent point because I think I really take that into consideration. I pay a lot of attention to my whole system, my, my whole health, and uh, before I ever mention it to a doctor or think that, you know, is this something that, you know, can be fixed or is this something that is really serious, uh, I analyze it and I live with it and I think about it and, you know, I try to determine on my own, is this just something I need to live with? Uh, 
and uh, most of the time it is. I mean, this this thing about the flap not opening, that's, I don't think that's normal aging, but uh, no. it's possible. No. It could be, it could have been just fine with my old lungs if I wouldn't have been diseased. Maybe mm-hmm. they would have all aged at the same rate. But having new healthy lungs and an old flap, you know, it's... <laughs> Yeah. Maybe, so do you do any some... do you do any exercise, Stephen? Um, I walk is about all. I have some little bar, uh, little uh, dumbbells here that I I use. Uh, I mm-hmm. do yoga once in a while, um, mm-hmm. which I should do I should do every day, but uh, it's just um, more fatigue and more fatigue, and then the this COVID I think kind of adds to the fatigue. Um, because being quarantined and and um, you don't have the stimulation of company, mm-hmm. and so but that's well, and that's that's only a small part of it though. Well, but there, but one of the symptoms of what, and I'm not implying that you have depression, but but for our listeners, one of the symptoms of um, depression is that feeling of fatigue. So I think that you raise a good point when you're talking about, you know, COVID and either um, our response to how people are responding to it or our response to people dying or our response to not being able to travel or see people or do whatever it is that, that uh, you know, may have brought us pleasure before. So being aware that depression itself, one of the symptoms of depression itself is fatigue. So there's a lot, a lot goes into our feeling so exhausted. It can be emotional as well as physical. Yes, yes it can. Um, I, uh, I have to tell you something that it made me so happy. Uh, I'm not boasting but I can't tell people because they think I am. But the last time I met, see, once or twice a year, I have when I go to Mayo Clinic, I, I have to meet with my psychiatrist also. Mm-hmm. And the last time I met with her last summer, uh, not this summer, but the summer before, um, okay. she's, she smiled at me and she said, you know what? She says, you are doing fantastic. She said, if all my clients were like you, I wouldn't have any clients. Hmm. And this was, you know, like one of the top psychiatrists at the, you know, well-known male clinic. So, I mean, to me, that was like, wow, you're doing really good, dude. And um, she has always kind of let me adjust my uh, antidepressant medications that I've been on since uh, Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed and I was put on them when it diagnosed because when you can't breathe, you panic. And right. then when you find out you have a deadly disease there's no cure for, you panic. Mm-hmm. So I was put on medication then. And um, so since after a couple of years, oh, well, after the transplant, um, she told me, she said, how do you feel? You know, you, maybe you can take a little bit more of that or take less of it or whatever. And for the last few years, she's been trying to weed me down to nothing. And I actually was down to nothing just when COVID hit. Mm. And so then I started on my own again 
because I've been doing this again for so long that I, I'm so aware of myself I can adjust it to how I evaluate myself. And mm-hmm. I started out with a half a pill for a couple months. And then I went back up to a whole pill. And uh, about two, three weeks ago, I started taking an additional one because I know I'm getting depressed. Mm-hmm. And, and do you notice that, do you notice your fatigue getting worse when you do get depressed? Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of factors so, that go into being, being uh, dep- uh, fatigued. Yeah. And one of the, you know, with all the research that we know about fatigue, one of the variables in all of the studies that show to help is exercise. And we're not talking about, you know, running around the block or, you know, doing anything for long, long periods of time. But 20 minutes of walking every single day has been shown to decrease uh, people's fatigue. And you don't even have to do 20 minutes all at once. You can do 10 minutes twice a day. So, you know, you're walking Cyrus, and I'm sure that he has to go out at least twice a day. Um, oh, yeah you in terms of you getting your your physical activity. And I've had patients say to me, I don't really want to exercise. Do you have a pill? It's like, well, we have pills for certain things, but you kind of have to do the first part first. And you will, I promise you, you will feel better if you go out and walk. And uh, some people are, Stephen, are just really, really resistant to getting up out of the chair. Nope, I'm too tired. But you know, oh. you know right? Because I've also seen the opposite. I talk to people, and either they're on some kind of medication and they don't want to admit it, or mm-hmm. you know they'll say, you know, if I tell them, you know, yeah, I've been on this since uh, since uh, I was diagnosed, you know, and uh, they'll say, oh. Uh, well, I'm on I'm on some also, but it's just a very, very, very little teeny bit. They always want to mm-hmm. downplay it, you know. Well, I, I want to say, well, you know, a little teeny, teeny, teeny bit isn't going to do you any good. Well, you know, it might for have, some people. I mean, you can't, you know, it depends on the drug and it depends on a lot of things. But I think the I think what you're what you're really kind of bringing to light here is that there is a stigma attached to managing your depression and that, you know, to, uh, for any of us to admit and say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm depressed, would be like, oh, my gosh, we can't say that. When, in fact, in terms of um, diagnosis, you know, medical diagnosis related to our mental health, depression, they call it the common cold of mental health, meaning that everybody uh-huh. gets it at some point or another. It's very common. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's kind of a consequence of life, at least in our American culture. I don't know really any the statistics in other places. But in the American culture, it is very, very prevalent. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. You know, I've, I've had a hard time um, 
you know, some patients say, I don't like to take pills. And I say, well, you didn't want to ever have cancer either, but here we are. And so right. given that this, this is where we are, how about if, you know, we manage this or I'll have a family member in and I'll, you know, assess about depression and they'll say, nope, nope, I'm not depressed. And the family member sitting next to them nodding their head, like, yes, they are. Right, and, right, um, so, right. So for those of you who think, well, I don't want to get on medication, get on it for two months. Just do it for two months because it takes about six weeks for an antidepressant to work. So get right. on it for two months and um, see how you feel. And right. the other thing I notice with people is that they don't necessarily notice they feel any different. But that same family member is like, oh, my God, thank you for prescribing that. Thank you because uh-huh. they're so much less irritable and so much less cranky. And, you know, they're getting out and doing more. And they're more willing to go do this or more willing to do that. But the person who's taking it, they don't really, you know, like really don't necessarily notice it, you know, until you kind of start asking the questions. Oh, Yeah. I do have more energy. Oh, yeah, I do take the dog out more, you know. Uh, I think that, to me, shows that the medication is working if they don't notice the difference. Right. Because right. if you see a sudden, you know, like hitting a switch change, then you're just drugged. <laughs> right. And antidepressants don't work that way. They really take right. six weeks to get into the system and to start and to start kind of um, making those edges less sharp and, and making our, you know, making things a right. little bit easier for ourselves and for the people around us. So, and you know, they have to be consistent, too, you know. Oh, they yeah. Can't, you can't not Off and it. on. Yeah, <laughs> right. So in our last couple of minutes, Stephen, do you have um, – any advice or pearls of wisdom for people who are feeling really fatigued from their chronic illness? What would you, anything you ever really wanted to tell people, you can say it now. Well, what worked for me, and I know this isn't going to be everybody's cup of tea, I had to change completely my way of thinking about everything. Hmm. I had to accept accept my disease, accept that the transplant is not a uh, forever lasting thing and there's going to be side effects. And in order to do that, uh, in order to accept all of that, I had to learn to live in the minute, mm. not take one day at a time. That, that, you know, that didn't work for me. I have to live in the minute so that you're paying attention to all your surroundings and what you're doing all the time. And if you're doing that, you can, you know, if you feel yourself uh, slipping away somewhere in your mind, you can always bring yourself back and say, well, what was so, what was going to hurt me? Why was I feeling that way? So it's uh, so it's sore. It's nothing that's uh, going to kill me. Um, so this, I'm behind on this bill. They're not going to come and throw me in jail. Um, you know, if you don't let your mind wander to, to anything, really, because you can make anything to be depressing if that's your frame of mind. 
Mm-hmm. But if you if you're focused all the time on what's going on right now in this moment, you realize that you're safe. Nothing's going to hurt you. And why sit around and mope when you can find humor and uh, and good things everywhere? If you're going to sit around and listen to the worst newscast shows all day long, you're probably going to get depressed. <laughs> you know? And uh, if you- so for people who, you know, are feeling that um, that fatigue, you know, staying in the moment, you know, assess how you feel. Uh, if you're feeling fatigued, go take a walk. If you need a rest, take a rest. Be patient with yourself. And um, if it's chronic illness, it may not go away. And so it may be, a, may be a part of your life that you're going to have to kind of contend with, you know, through to the, through to the end of life. And, you know, we, we, everyone has, has certain issues, and, but with chronic illness, fatigue is, is one of those that really we certainly get sick and tired of. So, Stephen, um, thank you so much for talking with us, and um, thank you to our listeners for spending time with me during our show, Everyone Dies. You can read our blogs and listen to our podcasts at everyonedies.org. Thank you for, to our producer, Jeannie White, and our CEO, Lillian Codwell. Produce a new show every Wednesday to answer questions related to life-threatening illness, dying, and death. Remember, you can listen to Passionate World Talk Radio on Spreaker and our shows wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss on our show, please email me, Marianne at everyonedies.org. That's Marianne, M-A-R-I-A, N-N-E at everyonedies.org. It's number one, E-V-E-R-Y, the number one, dies.org. I hope that you live your best life every day. And remember that every day is a gift. Thank you for listening. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.